Welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. Right, welcome to the Thursday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast, and we have got a lot to talk about on today's show. Of course, we'll have a full preview of tonight's game in Brooklyn against the Los Angeles Kings. We've got a rare game in this date in Islanders history, a game in which two different players had a hat trick. We'll talk about that game a little bit later on in the show, and of course, we'll discuss all things New York Islanders. Now, the Islanders did not practice yesterday, so no news from practice, but a few things we're going to talk about, including a little bit more discussion on the NHL debut of Kiefer Bellows. All right, again, if you want to join the show, if you have a question, you have a comment, a topic that you'd like us to discuss, shoot us an email. The email address, lockedonislanders at gmail.com. And if you leave your name and where you're from, we'll mention you on the air, read your question, your comment, or discuss the topic that you want to talk about. And uh, always great to hear from our listeners. You could follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Isles. You could also follow me, Gil Martin, your host. My Twitter handle is at Ice Wars NYRVSNYI. And we'll keep you up to date on all things New York Islanders. Also, if you're enjoying the show, please uh, give us a five-star rating and leave a review with your podcatcher of choice, as that helps other Islander fans and hockey fans find the show and helps to grow the Locked On Islanders family. All right, let's uh, talk a little bit about the NHL debut of Kiefer Bellows. Uh, He had to be happy with the way things went last night. Uh, Picked up an assist in his NHL debut. First point, his parents on hand. He finishes the game with one shot on goal and is a plus one. And look, nine minutes, 10 seconds of ice time in 13 shifts. Obviously, Trotz keeping the shifts short. But here is the quote from Barry Trotz after the game against Dallas on Tuesday night. Here's what Barry Trotz had to say about Kiefer Bellows and his debut. He looked like he belonged, but that's one game, a very small sample. The adrenaline is there, the excitement. The trick is to maintain it. I love that quote. I I love the psychology behind the quote because, and again, we've seen and I've discussed many times how masterful Barry Trotz can be as far as motivating his team, some of the things. 
everything Barry Trotz says to the media has a goal in mind. It's has a purpose. It is designed to send a message to his team without embarrassing them necessarily individually, without calling them out and, and making them look bad. And here, he simultaneously gives his player credit, pats him on the back, but challenges him just the same. He's saying, hey, good first game. You did a good job. All well and good, but one game doesn't mean a whole lot. I want to see what you could do when you're not all pumped up for your first NHL game. Keep it going, kid. You you pr- showed you could do it for one game. Now can you do it for two? Can you do it for five? Can you do it for ten? If you want to stay in the lineup, show me that you can. And uh, again, you're telling Kiefer Bellows, the rookie, hey, I see what you could do. You played well. But you're also challenging him to keep it up, and that's a good thing. The other, the other main observation that I wanted to discuss from Tuesday's game and also from Saturday's game, you know, Islanders back-to-back overtime games, they split the two of them, but this team showed resiliency in both games, and I think that's important. Did the Islanders play well in both games? They weren't consistent, you know, against Vancouver they and Dallas, really, they dominated the first period, or at least the f- main part of the first period, but they were unable to take a big lead and sustain that dominance. They also made some sloppy plays that led to goals against. Uh, gave The goaltenders gave up some questionable goals that I'm sure, you know, both Grice and Varlamov would want back at least one goal in, you know, each game were what I would call soft goals. But at the same time, on Saturday, the Islanders get a goal in the closing 23, 24 seconds of the game to tie it and send it into overtime, get themselves a badly needed point. On Tuesday, the Islanders again fall behind, manage to get back into the game, seemingly tied it, but had that goal overturned on, you know, a questionable call that kind of could have gone either way, but the goal was overturned. And, you know, for a lot of teams, having a a game-tying goal in the closing minutes of the third period waved off is deflating. It's frustrating. It's something that demoralizes a team, but it did not have that effect on the New York Islanders. And just a few seconds after the goal was waved off, the Islanders score again. This one counts, and they end up tying the game, sending it to overtime, and they win on the big goal by Anthony Bovillier and get two points. So the beautiful thing about this team is they have the right attitude. They don't give up. They keep coming, and they try, at least, to continue to play their style of hockey. Now, that isn't always pretty to watch. It doesn't necessarily result in a lot of highlight real plays, but at the same time, you win a lot of hockey games, very few people are going to complain that it doesn't, you know, you're not making pretty passes and end-to-end rushes and 
and putting the puck in the net, you know, on a backhand or between your legs or, uh, you know, dazzling somebody in the stands. At the end of the day, when your team wins, whether you're watching it at the arena or on TV, you leave the game happy and looking forward to the next game. So the team has at least shown resiliency, and that is a big step forward. But the next thing they need to do, and they really do indeed need to do this, they need to start showing consistency, and it just hasn't been there. All right, we have got a lot more to get to. We're going to talk a little bit more about the third line and what it means now that Kiefer Bellows has been added to it. We'll talk about this date in Islanders history, plus we'll preview tonight's game against the Kings in Brooklyn. More to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, one other note from Tuesday's game. The third line, which was Derek Brassard centering Kiefer Bellows and Michael Dalcole, you know, the offense, again, they scored the goal. That was very big. Broussard finally getting off the schneid after a long, long slump that we discussed on yesterday's show. But, you know, Broussard had two shots on goal. Dal Cole had two shots on goal. Bellows had one shot on goal. They played about nine minutes together as a trio. Five shots on goal in nine minutes. That's not bad. It's not fantastic, but it's not bad. The question is, you know, can they be consistent in increasing production as a line? And look, it's going to take a little time. We have to see what Bellows can contribute over the long haul. We have to examine that. We also have to see what kind of chemistry Broussard, Dal Cole, and Bellows develop together and whether or not uh, does Dal Cole take a seat on some days, uh, and is he going to be replaced, let's say, by a Tom Cunackle or a Ross Johnston, and how does that affect chemistry, or, or will Bellows take a seat on some days to allow those players to play? So, you know, lots still that we don't know, but at least an encouraging beginning, let's put it that way, uh, for the Islanders and Kiefer Bellows and the third line. All right, let's do a little This Date in Islanders History. We're going to take you back to February 6, 1990 at the Igloo in Pittsburgh. Islanders, Penguins, facing off in a high-scoring, crazy kind of a game. In net for the Islanders, Mark Fitzpatrick, while Tom Barrasso guarding the goal for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Penguins get off quickly as Rob Brown scores just a minute 36 into the game, his 23rd from Jim Johnson, and ZZ Top, Zarly Zalapski. Then, less than a minute later, Troy Loney, his fifth from Mario Lemieux and Richard Zemlick, and it's 2-0, just 2 minutes and 20 seconds into the game. But the Islanders do not quit. They come back at the 14:46 mark, Pat LaFontaine, his 45th goal of the year from Alan Kerr and Derek King, and the Islanders are back in it 2-1. to one. The Islanders had a power play with Jim Johnson in the box for roughing and unsportsmanlike conduct, and they cash in as Derek King gets his sixth from LaFontaine and Alan Kerr, 
at 19-13. It's a power play goal. And at the end of the first period, the game is all even at two apiece. But in the second period, things get more exciting. Paul Coffey, two minutes, two seconds into the second, gets his 20th goal of the season from Lemieux and Tony Tonti, and it's a 3-2 to two lead for Pittsburgh. But the Islanders come back. A pair of power play goals. First, Pat Flatley, his 15th from LaFontaine and Jeff Norton at 9:24, ties the game at three. And then Derek King, also on the power play, his seventh of the year, second of the game from LaFontaine and Doug Crossman. And an after 40 minutes, the Islanders have a four to three lead. But then in the third period, it was Pittsburgh's turn as the penalties kept adding up and there were some fights and some uh, roughing and a whole lot of stuff going on. The big fight, Gary Nyland of the Islanders, uh, excuse me, Gerald Diddick of the Islanders uh, and Richard Zemlick of Pittsburgh going at it. That was the main event. There were a bunch of other penalties taking place. But in the third period, Mark Recchi, his 18th from Kof, Kof, Paul Coffey and Zarly Zalapsky at 157, and all of a sudden the game is tied at 4-4. Then Mario Lemieux scores two more power play goals, one at 323 from Coffey and John Cullen, one at 445 from Rob Brown and Paul Coffey. Those are his 41st and 42nd goals of the season, and suddenly three unanswered goals for the Penguins, they have a 6-4 to four lead. But it wouldn't last. The Islanders bounce back. Pat LaFontaine with a pair of goals just a minute and eight seconds apart. First, his 46 from Brad Lauer and Brent Sutter at 7.24, and then at 8.32, his 47th from Derek King and Randy Wood, and all of a sudden, it's uh, a... 6-6 hockey game. The Islanders get back on top. Derek King, his eighth, unassisted at 12-19. And the Islanders have a 7-6 lead. But late in the game, late in the third period, the Islanders shorthanded as Norton is called for holding and the Penguins cash in. John Cullen, his 19th from Mario Lemieux and Paul Coffey. And we are tied at seven at the end of regulation time. We go to overtime and the Islanders pull this one out with 32 seconds left on the clock. Don Maloney, his 11th from Gary Nyland and Brian Trottier. And the Islanders skate away with an improbable 8-7 win against the Penguins at the Igloo. Pat LaFontaine, three goals, three assists to pace the Islanders' attack. Derek King, not too far behind, three goals, two assists. So two different Islanders with hat tricks in this game. Alan Kerr, believe it or not, the only other Islander with a multiple-point game. He had a pair of assists. LaFontaine led the way with six shots on goal. As for Derek King, his hat trick came on three shots, so he was very effective. 37 saves for Mark Fitzpatrick. The Penguins peppered him with 44 shots in this game, a much more wide-open style of hockey and a much more wide-open era. 
As far as the Penguins were concerned, Mario Lemieux, two goals, three assists. Paul Coffey, one goal, four assists. That's who paced the Penguins' attack. And Tom Barrasso gave up eight goals in 28 shots. That is a save percentage of just 714 for the game. As far as the plus minuses, a lot of Islanders plus twos in this contest. Nobody uh, had more than that, but Doug Crossman, Derek King, Pat LaFontaine, Gary Nyland, Brian Trottier, and Randy Wood were all plus two for the Islanders. A lot of rough stuff, a lot of penalties, a lot of power play goals, a wild one at the Igloo, but the Islanders beating the Penguins 8-7 to seven on this date in Islanders history, February 6th, 1990. All right, when we come back, we will preview tonight's game against the LA Kings. More to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, so tonight it's the Islanders hosting the Los Angeles Kings, second and final meeting between these two teams this season. The Kings beating the Islanders out in L.A. at the Staples Center back on November 27th by a score of 4-1. to one. So Islanders don't want to be swept here by a team that is presently 19-30-5 on the season and in eighth or last place in the Pacific Division. So, you know, look, you're at home, you're playing a, a last-place team from the other conference. They are three time zones away from where they're used to being. This game is going to start 4 o'clock in the afternoon for the Kings players' biological clocks. And, you know, the Islanders have to be able to take advantage of this situation. It's important. They need these points. We've talked very often about how close and how tight the standings are. So no excuse. The Islanders need to come through. You look at the Kings statistically and you could see immediately why they're in trouble, uh, why they're in last place. Goals for, they are 29th out of 31 teams. Goals against, only slightly better, 23rd. Special teams don't look so good either. 23rd on the power play, a 17.5% success rate and 26th on the penalty kill. Islanders should have an advantage in almost every facet of the hockey game, but, you know, that's on paper. They don't play the game on paper. They play it on the ice, and the Islanders can't just rest on their laurels or what happened in L.A. will happen again in Brooklyn. All right, the goaltending situation, Jonathan Quick, the starter, he is 11 20 and 3 on the season with a 302 goals against average and an 895 save percentage. Hardly great numbers. Jack Campbell is his backup. He's playing about 40% of the games. He is 8 10 and 2 on the season. A 285 goals against and a 900 save percentage. The two hottest players and best players offensively on the Kings, uh, a very familiar name in Anze Kopitar, 17 goals, 47 points to lead the team. Uh, also, 18 of his 47 points coming on the power play. And then I, Alex Iafalo, 
14 goals, 31 points. He's next. Third on the team in scoring, uh, Tyler Toffoli, a name that people have been bandying about. Toffoli may be trade bait, and the Islanders may be interested in acquiring him, according to a few uh, you know, rumors going on throughout the Islanders' Twitterverse and, and through some of the media outlets. Uh, Toffoli, 14 goals, 30 points on the season. And then Drew Doughty, 6 goals, 28 points. He is uh, fourth on the team in scoring right now. You look at the line combinations for the LA Kings. The top line is Kopitar, Ayafalo, and Dustin Brown. Jeff Carter centers that second line with Carl Grundstrom and Tyler Toffoli on his wings. Blake uh, Lizat is the third line center with Adrian Kemp and Austin Wagner flanking him. And Mike Am uh, Amadio centers Kyle Clifford and Trevor Lewis on that fourth line. The defensive pairings, the top duo is Alec Martinez and Drew Doughty, followed by Ben Hutton and Matt Roy. And Curtis McDermott and Sean Walker are the 5-6 pairing for the Kings. You know, this is sort of a team in transition. Uh, you look at the LA Kings, and, you know, they certainly have some talent. There are some familiar names on this team. Guys who were with this organization when they were winning the Stanley Cup. But at the same time, they are... You know, they've got some younger, less experienced players, and they are a very inconsistent team, to say the least. They certainly don't have the depth that they had uh, a few years back when they were winning championships and contending every year for championships. Uh, last game they played was Tuesday, a 4-2 to two loss in Washington. And, you know, right now, this team has basically only won one out of its last eight games. So not looking strong here. Uh, you know, a lot of road games in this swing, but if you look back at the last eight, loss at Carolina, loss at Tampa Bay, loss in Florida, loss in Philadelphia, all-star break, lose at home to Tampa Bay, the only win during that stretch in Arizona back on January the 30th, and then a loss at home against Anaheim on February 1st, and then the loss in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday to the great eight Alexander Ovechkin in the Capitals. They're going to finish up this road trip with uh, three New York area games at the Islanders tonight at the Devils Saturday night, and then Sunday at 6 o'clock at Madison Square Garden to play the Rangers. So, you know, they're catching the Kings in the middle of a pretty long road trip. Uh, they're slumping. They're struggling. These are two points for the taking. Now it's up to the Islanders to go out there and actually get the job done. And look, winning teams win these hockey games. Teams that have, you know, potential to, to go on long playoff runs, to be in the hunt for home ice advantage and nail down a playoff spot. These are the kind of hockey games you have to win. Now it's up to the Islanders to go out and do it. Uh, we'll see if they're able to come up 
with the W. That's going to do it for us here on the Locked on Islanders podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to preview the weekend's schedule, and that is going to be a game in Tampa Bay on Saturday. So we will have a full preview of that. We'll have a review of tonight's game against the Kings, this Dayton Islanders history, and a lot more. Make sure you join us for that. I'm your host, Gil Martin. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.